We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast. I'm here with two people today, not just me and Brandon, but we have the full team together. Both Brother Brandon and Brother Rob are with us today. So today is the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon, Chris, and Rob, which you can expect more of when we get back together in August. So welcome back, Brother Rob. So excited to record an episode with both you and Brother Brandon. But how are you doing, Brother Rob? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for uh, for having me back on. It's so good to be back with uh, you, Brother Christ, and um, and Brother Brandon. It's always good to to hang out with you, my brother. And um, I'm so excited to do this episode with you guys. I'm excited to uh, to get to August to where I'm going to have more time on on my hands where we can get back and and do this uh, regularly. I am. Uh, well on my way to get my master's degree. Um, actually finished uh, today with two of my classes, and I start another one next week. And so uh, it's been uh, a learning experience. It's also been a headache, but I, I'm getting there, and I appreciate uh, Brother Chris your your patience with me. And uh, I'm just just excited that I'm getting to do this with you guys today, and, and looking forward to being back. Uh, we have a, a great episode for you guys today, and I'm, I'm super excited to be back for this one in particular. Uh, and Brother Brandon, I believe you're going to start us off talking about it. Sure, and I'll agree with Chris. It's great to have you back on the show today, Brother Rob. I'm always blessed by your right and correct handling of the Word of God. And on today's episode, our focus will be on how God gives grace to his enemies. And as we continue our consecutive exposition of James and turn now to James chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, we find James warning us about a friendship that makes us God's enemies. And he doesn't only warn us about that, for as we shall see, he also encourages us with this thought, that God is gracious toward those who oppose him as his enemies. So let's take a look and read this passage of scripture. We're going to first of all look at verses 4 through 5. And just a warning, this is not the most pleasant or encouraging passage of Scripture to read. Right. But beginning in verse 4, James says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? So let's begin in verse 4 where James begins with this, of course, really friendly address of his (laughs) readers where he says, you adulterous people. Now, Chris and Rob, how long do you guys think our pastorates would last if we opened our next sermon like this? Well... I'll try it next week. We'll see how that goes. And uh, yeah, give it a shot. And, and then know, after I'll, next Friday, I'll let you know if I still have a job or not. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be reading it. the obituary page. So yeah, I'll, I'll let Chris handle that one. I'll take his advice. <laughs> of course, <laughs> very good. But you know, even though none of us would dare to open our next sermon like this, it's precisely the way that James opens his next sermon. 
And of course, that's because this is the in-your-face epistle, the letter of telling it like it is. Mm -hmm. And it will become clear that James speaks in such strong terms for a reason. God is really getting in our face through these words so that he can get into our hearts. True. Now, why is it that James calls his readers adulterers? Well, because they were guilty, not of physical adultery, but spiritual adultery. They were susceptible of and guilty of cheating on God, if you will, by climbing into bed with the world's idolatry, immorality, and ideals. Mm -hmm. And that's really what he meant, in essence, by talking about becoming friends with the world. He is not saying that we cannot befriend the individuals of the world and its people, because if that were the case, he would contradict the very example of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was called a friend of sinners. But he is saying we should not befriend the ideals of the world and its sinful practices. And if and when we do, we become spiritual adulterers. And this is an astonishing thought because the New Testament clearly refers to us as believers as the bride of Christ. Yeah. But at the same time, we can chase after another lover when we chase a love for the things of this world. And there's many places in the scripture where God condemns such spiritual infidelity. One passage is Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 20, where the Lord is speaking to the Israelites, who are also his people. He says, Surely, as a treacherous wife leaves her husband, so have you been treacherous to me, O house of Israel, declares the Lord. He's saying, Look, just as a wife leaves her husband and commits physical adultery, You have left and abandoned me in obedience to my commands, and you've chased after another lover, a love for wickedness and things of this world. So when we befriend the world system and we uh, lack our obedience to God, we commit spiritual adultery. But that's not all we become when we befriend the world's sin and system. James also says that we become God's enemy. And that's pretty amazing if you think about it. Uh, We were enemies of God, according to Romans 5.10. We were hostile to God, and the Lord reconciled us to himself, and we're no longer enemies. We're actually called friends of God. But we can actually Mm -hmm. become an enemy all over again by befriending the ideals and practices that God hates. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, friendship is really the way this allegiance to the world system and its sin takes place. We start to hold hands with the world. And before long, we are courting the world's practices and ideals, and eventually we move into its house. It starts with just a friendship, just hanging around sin and wickedness, but it quickly progresses to a committed relationship, if you will. And James says that this can happen to anyone He is talking to believers here, and he Mm -hmm. says that this can happen to any and all of us. And so we have to be on guard against this friendship with the world and spiritual adultery. Right. So the question at this point that we need to ask ourselves is, are we friends with God or are we friends with the world? And a better question is, are we today better friends with the world 
or with God. Mm-hmm. You know, what's our progress? What's our relationship with the Lord look like? Can we truly say that we're better friends with God than we are with the world? Or mm-hmm. when we look at this passage of scripture, do we see a mirror and see that indeed we've actually become more friends with the world than we have with God? Well, James gives us some motivation to avoid friendship with the world in verse 5. He tells us that this kind of living actually provokes God to jealousy. He is a jealous God, the scripture tells us. He demands and deserves and desires our worship and adoration. Mm -hmm. But when we become friends with the world, we actually bow to its demands and desires. And we give the world our time, our talents and treasures and Those are things that the world doesn't deserve from us. And this passage, James says that God won't settle for it. He's a jealous God. He yearns jealously for the spirit he makes to dwell in us. And if you think about this in practical terms, no one would blame a husband for becoming jealous when he sees his wife devoted to other men. Right. Nobody's going to place blame on him for feeling that way. Mm -hmm. And likewise... The Lord God is righteously jealous when his bride, the church, devotes herself to the world and its ideals. Mm-hmm. He's only right to feel that way. Yeah. Now, I will mention here, James mentions a passage of scripture in the Old Testament in quotations here that talks about God being jealous. And there's no uh, chapter and verse in the Old Testament that's exactly like the one that he quotes here, but he's probably just talking about the general idea from the Old Testament that Mm -hmm. God is a jealous God. You can look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 for that, or Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. There's plenty of places that says God is jealous. Yes. Now, this passage at this point may have brought us down a little bit when Mm -hmm. we consider being friends with the world and how that makes us an enemy of God and how we may be guilty of spiritual adultery. So we may ask, what hope do we have in in overcoming these things? What hope do we have in overcoming sinful friendship with the world and avoiding the provocation of God's jealousy? Well, I'm going to have to leave you on a cliffhanger for that. We'll get to the answer here in just a moment as we look later on at the remainder of this passage. Chris, share some insights with us, brother. Yeah, I like what you were talking about just a little bit ago concerning that we have to really check ourselves on our relationship with God, because as we've discussed and concluded, as we've read through the book of James, is he's talking to the believers. He's talking to the church and he's calling out the church and calling them adulterers and adulteresses, saying that they have committed this spiritual adultery with God by stepping out on him and conforming to these worldly ideas. And so it's imperative that we as Christians never think of ourselves so highly and think that we can't fall, but rather to understand that we can be tempted and that we can fall and that we can most definitely focus on things other than God. And it's important to notice that when we are doing that, to get back on track and follow God. And I think a great reference verse that would go along with this is Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where Paul writes, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good 
and acceptable and perfect. And I think of spiritual spiritual adultery like getting married and then going back to your toxic ex-girlfriend. And I would encourage you, if you were listening to this right now and you are married, that you have to conclude and agree with me on this, that every ex is considered a toxic ex. All right? Right, right. There's no, no budging on that. But we belonged to the world. And the world in this scenario would be our toxic ex person, whoever that is, boyfriend or girlfriend, whoever's listening to this right now. And when we put our faith in Christ, we were made one in him. Just as we talk about our marriage, we were made one in each other. Two flesh comes together to make one flesh. And we see this played out in what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, going from the toxic ex-girlfriend to the marriage relationship. And it says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And I've heard this said many times that a lot of people will take the writings of James and take the writings of Paul and say that they contradict each other. But whoever thinks that thought wrong, because we can go further in this thought as we read through Scripture. But I'd like to point out first that we see here is that we were dead in our sin. We were enemies of God at that point. But through faith, God's grace brought us to life, a spiritual life. So now we are alive to God. And in that understanding, we are dead to sin or the world or that ex-girlfriend no longer matters anymore, which is effectively another major agreement between Paul and James. We see that in Romans chapter 6, 1 through 4, and also verse 11 kind of concludes that thought with it. But what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And the conclusion is here in Romans 6.11, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You see, when we become a part of the family of God, when we enter into that marriage relationship, just like a, a human marriage that we have today, when I married my wife, what I said is I'm turning away from all else. When I took my vows, I said, I'm going to keep myself holy unto my spouse. That means that there's no room for anyone else. And to step out on those vows, to to make room for someone else, would to be to contradict what I said, to go against what I said, and to to cause a rift in our marriage. 
And so it's important that we look at our relationship to God like a marriage and that we look at the world like a toxic ex-girlfriend that has no place in our marriage. And if we see that that toxic ex-girlfriend is showing up, knocking on the door a little bit more, texting right. you, whatever it is, you got to get rid of her. Because what we must do is we must focus on Jesus. We must focus on his word, his will, and we must turn our backs on the world, just like we did on all of our romantic interests prior to our marriage. And that is something that we need to make a priority in our lives as the children of God, as a part of the family of God. So Rob, what do you got to share with us? Yeah, absolutely. And going right along with what you guys have already said about this relationship, uh, this this friendship um, with Jesus, we're, when we are, are, are called by Christ and we're called into a uh, a relationship with Christ, when we are saved, we are made friends of God. Uh, we're told that um, you know that we are friends with God because He He has told us what He plans to do, and so He's called us friends of His. and And what I want you to make sure that you know um, is that in Falling in love with the world and, and, and going off and committing sexual immorality with the world. It's not that Jesus no longer becomes our friend uh, because the death on the cross is if we're truly saved and we have moments of weakness and, and we go in and, and we commit these sins. Jesus doesn't stop being our friend because our sins are, are paid for. They're cast as far as the east is from the west. Uh, this is not a, a matter of salvation, as, as Brother uh, brother Brandon has already mentioned. What happens is that we start to befriending a, another friend, and, and so we're putting somebody in between us and Jesus. It's not Jesus doing it. He doesn't want there to be anybody else. He is um, the husband of the church, and we're supposed to be the bride, and there's not supposed to be anywhere in between. Uh, but when we let the world in, what we're doing is we're putting the world in between us um, and Jesus. And so don't think of, of this as Jesus not being our friend. When we mess up and when we choose the world over Jesus, what we're doing is we are uh, putting the world in between us and Jesus. We're the ones right. uh, that are, are, are being the, the friend. And so I wanted to, to bring up a, another verse, because if we do this continually, if we love the world continually more and it's, it's more evident than our love for Christ, we probably ought to do some checking in the mirror because this is what John has to say in one of his epistles, the, his first epistle in uh, 1 John 2, 15 through 16. Uh, the word of God says, do not let uh, the world or the things, uh, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so I one way I like to think about this is because we all struggle with sin. I struggle with sin. Uh, brother Chris, do you struggle with sin? I, every once in a while. Every once in a while. What about you, Brother Brandon? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll be more honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what I, I like to think of is is not that we're not drawn to the world. It's that um, we have a continual love for the world. That's what John's saying. If, if your love for the world is greater than your love for Jesus – then the love of the Father is not in you. Um, and so you need to be really clear. If you're struggling with sin, that's completely different than being all in for sin. 
for all this is verse 16 for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father but is from the world and, and so I, I want to go to a few uh church fathers or or speakers preachers whatever you want to call them uh, and see what they have to say because what we're really dealing with here is is pride versus humility uh, and so what James is saying is that um, if you are following after your love for the world um, then you're just simply following the prideful desires of, of your own life and so what I want us to do is, is see a few of these quotes from church fathers first we have Charles Spurgeon and he said humility, is to make a right estimate of one's self. It is not humility for a man to think less of himself than he ought, though it might rather be called modesty. But the biblical humility is the grace of thinking of ourselves as we ought to think. Um, and then C.S. Lewis says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And so in other words, what we wow. do is is we we think of others, mainly Jesus, but then those around us, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, are uh, the ones that that we're to, to shepherd over, either as a pastor or even as father, as we um, do our God given uh, duty to to raise our, our family. Uh, we are to think of them before we think of ourselves. And thinking of a, a marriage, so when when I'm thinking of my wife, I want to think of her, or I ought to think of her before I think of myself. So if she has a need or a desire that is in conflict with my need or desire, I want hers to be met and not mine. Or that's what I should do. I'm not always perfect at that, but that's what I should do. And, and that's what we ought to do with Christ. We ought to put his desire for our lives um, ahead of our own. And so uh, then I like this one from Billy Graham. He said, pride is the enemy of holiness. It is the cause of many spiritual failures. It was pride that caused Satan to fall, and it is the root of all sin. And, and so that, I think, uh, takes us right into where we need to go next, and that is the good news. Because we've been talking about a lot of, of bad news that that if right, you right. if you are um, in love with the world, then you are an enemy with God, and that's a bad bad thing. I, I do not want to be an enemy with God, and so that cliffhanger that Brother Brandon left us on, we're about, we're about to get there. Uh, and so James chapter four and uh, verse six says. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so if we mess up, and we're going to mess up, and that's, that's what every sin is. Sin is, is trusting in ourself, um, trusting in the things that we want and we desire more than uh, accepting the things that Jesus has for us or the commands that he has for us. And so all sin in, in reality is, is spiritual immorality uh, because we're always in sin going against God, the one that we have decided to make a committed uh, relationship with. And so the good thing is, is that just like the story of 
um, of Hosea, uh, where God tells him and to to go find a wife. And if uh, I won't get into the the gory details of uh, of the, <laughs> the the story, um, but his wife isn't a place where I would want to find a, a wife, right? Um, right. And so he goes and he finds a wife and then she leaves him and she cheats on him. And then God tells him to go back. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, you feel bad for the guy. You just, yeah, it just, it's awful. But, but it shows how much God loves us. What God is doing with Hosea is showing that he loves you. He loves me so much is that even when we constantly fail him, he loves us. And so if we're proud, we're going to be humbled. However, if we humble ourselves before him and say, Father, I have sinned against you. I have trusted in myself. I have trusted in the things that I think will bring me joy and peace and hope and and whatever other uh, thing that you want to throw in there. I've trusted those Will you forgive me? And the the good news is if we are humble, then we will be exalted in due time. And of course, that is when we get to see our our maker uh, face to face. One day we will get to see Jesus. And and when we see him, um, I have a feeling that that I'm going to feel so unworthy that that I'll think that I'm not even going to make it. because when I see Jesus in his perfection, when I see him in his glory, I'm going to see the maker of heaven and earth. I'm going to see the one um, who every person in the Bible that sees him in his full glory falls down flat on their face and worships him. And I'm not worthy. I I feel like Peter in the boat when Jesus uh, first goes uh, into Peter's boat and he, Peter understands who Jesus is. He, he bows down and he says, I'm not worthy for you to be on my boat, right? I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I, that's how I'm going to feel. But the good news is, is because I understand the weight of my sin and, and my sin against heaven, my sin against God, he has graciously provided for me a white robe of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And of course, we know that Uh, Because Jesus was made uh, to be sin on my behalf, I become his righteousness um, and I will one day get to walk face to face with him. And so the good news is if if you're listening to this and you you feel um, you feel convicted, um, that's probably a good thing because it probably means that you're honest with yourself, you're honest with God and you're you can be humble before God. If you if you can listen to this message and say, you know what, I've never I, I've never committed uh, sex. I mean, uh, uh, spiritual immorality against God. Um, I, I would take a few minutes and look in the mirror uh, because God God is not going to exalt the, the proud. He's going to exalt the those who humble themselves. And so um, I, I praise God that um, that one day when I meet him face to face because of what he's done and not because of what I've done and because of who he is and not because of who I am, he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant because of what Jesus did and what a day that'll be. Um, And so 
the 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 peace and the joy that comes from this message is that James says um, that grace is more. He, he gives more and more grace, uh, and so God's grace is sufficient for all of our sin, as as the Bible says in other places. But um, just know that that when we try to put the world in between us and God. If we're truly his children, we will understand it, we'll see it, and we'll ask for forgiveness and turn away from that and try our best next time. And every time we try our best, even when we fail, his grace is more and his grace is sufficient for us. Brother Brandon, you want to add to that? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Brother Rob, for those encouraging words and as Brother Rob said, that's what James is trying to do here. Mm-hmm. He has told us the truth about our sinful condition and the fact that even as believers, we can become enemies of God by being friends with the world. But he doesn't leave us on a cliffhanger. He tells us the good news. He says, even if you have messed up, God still has enough grace for you. There will always be enough grace to cover our sins. That's why James says, but don't forget this, he gives more grace. Yeah, right. That's really what the Apostle Paul was saying also in Romans 5.20, where he said, the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And James and Paul are in agreement that God has more grace than we have sin. We cannot out the grace of God. We can be his enemy. We can be friends with the world and commit spiritual adultery, and God is still going to love us. He's still going right. to give us grace and forgiveness. Yeah. And I heard a really good illustration about the boundless nature of God's love and grace from Kent Hughes. He's a pastor. He's been a pastor for many years and author of many commentaries. And he was talking about how the Niagara Falls pours out so many tons of water every second. In fact, the Niagara Falls pours out 3,160 tons of water. And again, that's that's every second. That's not every minute or, or every half hour. And that's a lot of water being poured out to nourish the plants and take care of the animals below. It's like just when you think the Niagara Falls should run out, it just has much more to give. And that's the way God's grace and love is for all of us. You know, we, we cannot out the grace of God. He's always going to have more grace for us, no matter how much sin we have. Right. Now, in order to be a recipient of this grace and mercy, James says we cannot be proud. We must be humble. And Brother Rob did an excellent job of explaining the difference between those things. But the point is, if we are proud and prideful, then we think we have no need of grace. Mm -hmm. We think that we have no sin. And if we believe that we have no need of grace, we certainly can't be a recipient of it. It's being humbled and recognizing our sin, recognizing that there are times where we become friends with the world and there are times where we commit spiritual adultery. It's recognizing all of those things that gives us that grace because we recognize we need God's grace to forgive our many sins. Yeah. And and you pointed out a verse, Brandon, uh, Romans 5.20. I really love that verse where sin abounds, grace abounds much greater. 
And I, I thank God for his grace that even when I fail him, he picks me up. And, and so I think it's been an important point that we've made throughout this whole episode that even believers sometimes mess up. And believers, though, have, have something different than the world. We have that grace that picks us up, right. puts us back on track. And if you're not getting back on track, then it means that you're outside of grace, that you don't have that grace to hold on to. You don't have that grace to build you up. And it's important to then examine your relationship to God, as in, do you even have a relationship with God? Because, yeah, I stumble, but God always picks me up and and pushes me forward. And not only does his grace pick me up when I fall, but his grace also keeps me standing in many situations where I would typically fall, knowing this, this is the grace that, that keeps me standing in a lot of situations, knowing that he gave his all for me, that Jesus came into this world in the weakness of the flesh and died for me while I was still a sinner and loved me, gave everything for me. Therefore, I must give all to him. And so when I face these different trials, these different tribulations, and and I'm confronted by temptation, it's that grace right there that keeps me standing in areas that if I didn't have his grace, if I didn't understand his grace, I would fall. But I like what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12. 7 through 10, where he says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so I thank God for that grace that he has given me. And and I think there's a message in this as well. A lot of people remain friends with the world because they think that they will never fit in with God, that we are unworthy. And the truth is we are unworthy of God, but he still seeks us. He calls out to us. And so don't ever think that you're too far gone to get back on track because God's grace is sufficient for you. If you fall, God's grace is sufficient to pick you up. If you are dead in your trespasses and sins, God's grace is sufficient for you to bring you to life. If you're facing a trial, God's grace is sufficient for you to continue to stand and surpass that trial. And so if there's one message I think that we can get from this, the the positive message on it is this, that God's grace is sufficient for you. And again, I'm thankful to be a part of another episode of the Faith 168 podcast. Brother Brandon, it's so great to record with you once more. And Brother brother Rob, so glad to see you back. Can't wait to get the whole band back together overall again and keep on moving with what God has put on our hearts to speak through this podcast. So I am so thankful for you guys, and I'm thankful most of all for God's grace. Brother Rob, do you have any last thoughts to share with us? 
Sure. I, I do want to thank you guys for having me on again. I, I want to uh, thank the, the listeners for continuing to, uh, to show up week after week and, and uh, worship with us as we uh, read God's words together and, and study his words together. And just, I'm always reminded and, and thankful uh, of the grace of God that, uh, that is always sufficient for me. Um, when, when God, uh, gave his only son, he gave his, his best, um, and his best, um, Jesus's life was, was worth more than, than my life could ever be worth. Uh, and, and he gave that life up for me. Uh, and so we should live uh, as many, many of the books of the new Testament say worthy of the the call that's been placed on our lives. When we fall short of that glory, we can feel shame. And, uh, and, and in all reality, the, the shame comes because we are committing spiritual adultery. However, God's grace is poured out more and more and more. You know, one day, Brother Brandon, uh, Niagara Falls will stop pouring out the water when the heavens and the That's earth right. pass away. Uh, but God's yep. grace is going to continue for all eternity. And that is a, a beautiful picture um, of the grace we have in Christ. Brother Brandon. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, fellas, it's been good to record this episode with you. And I can't think of a better way to conclude this episode than by thanking our listeners for joining us in this exposition and by thanking our God of grace in a word of prayer. So let's pray, guys. Our Father, we thank you for this time we've been able to spend together to study your word together and to be reminded of the boundless nature of your grace, the grace and forgiveness and mercy you give us despite our being unworthy of it, despite the fact that we have committed many sins and our transgressions reach as high as the heavens. And we thank you most of all that your grace for our sin was expressed chiefly in the cross of Calvary by the sending of your own Son to be the atonement for our sins. And we just pray, God, that you might continue to give us grace as we seek to live faithfully uh, throughout this week and glorify you in all we say and do. And we pray all these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.